Amen. Well, it was already referred to, revival. That's my subject this morning that I feel the Lord laid on my heart. We want to begin in Psalm 85. We want to look briefly in what is revival or what revival is not as we begin uh, these meetings here uh, this morning. These are very familiar verses in Psalm 85, verse 6. I want to begin there, read just a few verses, and then continue on. Will thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? Show us thy mercy, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. I'm in Psalm 85, now in verse 8. I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints, but let them not turn again to folly. Surely his salvation is nigh them that fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Mercy and truth are met together, righteousness and peace have kissed. Revival is not evangelism. Revival is not for the unsaved. Let me say that again. Revival is not for the unsaved. You know, an unsaved person cannot be revived. Revival means, um, let me see here. Um, Yes, there it is. Uh, The word revival, uh, one of the definitions for the word revival is to make fresh and strong again. That means at one point it was that way. And so an an unsafe person cannot be revived because we've not began our relationship with the Almighty yet. So revival is not for the unsafe. Revival is for the church. Revival is to make fresh and strong again. Remember that moment when you gave your life to Christ. Now, it was different maybe for all of us, maybe for some. Like like when I look at at, at where I was at when I gave my life to Christ was at a completely different place in life than my children. Our children all accepted Christ at a very young age because they were, they were already hearing the gospel. I mean, they heard the gospel when they were in the womb. And so, so they, 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 they heard the gospel. They heard the message. They heard salvation. They heard about Jesus giving his life for them and, and all of that. So they all accepted Christ at a very young age. So I was, um, let's see, I was born in 69, and this was in 91. So I would have been uh, 22 years old. When I received Christ, 22 years old when I received Christ. And so I was, at a, I was at a much different place in life and coming out of an ungodly lifestyle and, and the, the drugs and the alcohol. And so, so obviously my experience when I met Christ was, was maybe more dramatic than what my children's were. However, they were just as lost as I was. It was just maybe a different experience. No one, just because you live the good life, is good enough without Christ. We know that. Although our experiences may be different. But in whatever we find, when we first get in connection with, it's fresh, it's strong, it's exciting, it's new life. A life that has not been there before. Here I am, 30 years later plus. Now the question is, am I as excited about living my life for him than I was when I first met him, when things were new, when things were fresh, when I was reading the word and there was life coming from the word. I would pray. I would talk to God. I would commune with him. It was fresh. It was strong. It was exciting. Is it that way today? Or have I drifted backwards, sideways? Circumstances in life can tend to distract us. Pressures of life 
children, uh, uh, work, relationships? Is it fresh and strong? Revival, not for the unsaved, although it ends up reaching the unsaved. The church gets revived. We're more intentional about reaching the unsaved. Another reason we need revival, there's a spiritual decline, a lack of spiritual life and victory among God's people. There's divisions, there's anger, there's lovelessness, there's perversions, there's child abuse, there's abortions, there's marriages that are failing, there's families in conflict with one another, there's, there's, there's bitterness, there's anger, there's hatred, there's, there's all these things. That's why we need revival made fresh and strong again. Get back to the basics of the Word and get in tune with heaven. Revival, refresh, made strong again. Relationships. You know, I had a friend of mine some years ago, a man that I got to know about 20 years ago. He was one of those gentlemen who had a good conversation, could have a good conversation with him. I, I would see him about once or twice a year. Periodically, he would call me, probably in his 60s. And when we would talk, we could only go about so far spiritually. Like, at, at, at some point, it just felt like this is as far as we can go spiritually. I didn't think that much of it, so I wasn't around him that much. One day... He called me on the phone. I could tell there was, a, there was an excitement in his voice that wasn't there before. And he says, Brother Dave, he said, something just happened to me, and I had to call somebody, and you were the first one that came to mind. I said, well, God bless you. What's on your heart, brother? And he said, well, you didn't know this, but here I was, church member, baptized church member for all these years faithful attendance in church all these years. But what you didn't know is I was a bitter, angry man. Angry at my family, things that happened in the family. I was angry at this, I was angry at that. Bitter, angry man sitting in church Sunday after Sunday. He said very few people knew it. But he said, God broke my heart last week or however long. It was just within recent when he called. And he said, we were at a family gathering. God broke my heart. I repented. And then I asked forgiveness for how I was to my family. And he said, I haven't felt this free in all my life. And there he was, 60-some years old, and I'm like, wow, what just happened there? Revival, made fresh and strong again, carrying this weight with him all these years. What it does, it hinders the anointing from flowing. And there he was, he repented, he got right with God, and there was a freedom. He said, I've never felt this free. Uh, probably about a year later, no, not even that long, several months later. 
And, of course, I rejoiced with him, prayed with him, and we rejoiced together over the phone. And, and then a, a little while later, he, he calls me again. He said, you know, something else happened, and I, I, I just needed to call you again. I said, tell me, brother, what happened now? He said, well, I was on the way home from work uh, the, the other night. I'm, I'm driving, and, and, and the presence of God just visited me. And he said, you know, there's yet one person that you haven't fully reconciled with. I said, really? Interesting. How did that go for, I asked him like um, how, how that was, and he said, well, first of all, he said, you know who it was? I said, no, uh, I wasn't that interested in who it was. It was just more the concept, and he said, well, let me just be honest with you. It was the person closest to me. I said, oh, interesting. He said, yes, it was my wife. And as he put it, he said, I couldn't wait to get home. He said, I just went home, I, I, I went in the house, and I just, I just grabbed my wife, and I just sat her in the chair in front. I was picturing this scene, right? This guy coming home, and she's probably like, what in the world happened to this man? You know, grab me. And, and he said, I, I just knelt in front of her, and I just asked for forgiveness. And, and again, just another level of freedom. Haven't been this free in all my life. That's why we need revival, reconciliation, restoration. And... About probably three or four years ago now, I get a call from his son. He said, Dad's in the hospital. He had a, remember the exact, was it a heart attack or a stroke, one of those. Dad's in the hospital. He's not doing well. I'm not sure if he's going to make it. He said, well, stay in touch. We'll pray. I actually ended up calling the hospital and praying there over the phone and Hours later, we were just, I'll never forget it, we were just ready to head out on tour and ready to leave and get a call from his son and said, Dad just had his eternal home going. And I thought of those two phone calls. Wow. Wow. It's not worth, is it? It's not worth carrying stuff. It's not worth it. Life is too short. Life is too short. Make fresh, strong again. Another reason we need revival is when people are there's attitudes of dishonor. People are not motivated by the Spirit of God. We need revival. When you have to beg and persuade Christians to share their faith, we need revival. When was the last time in a conversation that I made Christ known? If you were, here's a good one, if you were accused of being a Christian, is there enough evidence to prove it? If you were accused of being a Christian, is there enough evidence to prove it? Well, I believe we're all convinced that we need revival in our nation. We need revival in the church. But how does it happen? I want now to turn to 2 Chronicles, if you will. 2 Chronicles chapter 7. 2 Chronicles chapter 7 here this morning and I know the very classic verse in 2 Chronicles is 7.14, but I am not going there this morning. But rather, verse, the first three verses of 2 Chronicles chapter 7. This is where Solomon had made an end of praying, and here's what happened. If you read the end of chapter 6, you see some of his prayer there. And after he finished praying, 2 Chronicles 7, verse 1, it says this, Now when Solomon had made an end of praying, 
The fire came down from heaven, consumed the burned offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the house. And the priests could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement. They worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Solomon made an end of praying. Let's look at this just briefly this morning. What happened when Solomon finished praying? It says that fire fell from heaven. What is that like? And then fire came. King James used the word came. Fire came down from heaven and consumed the burned offering and the sacrifices and the glory or the presence of the Lord filled the house. Now, I believe that we would all agree that we long to see this. We long to see this. The manifest glory of God will fill the house. Well, what needs to happen in order for that to happen? I like, I, I want the glory of the Lord to fall, but according to this verse, it's conditional. First was the fire. The fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings and the sacrifices. In other words, the fire of the, of the Spirit of God burns away the carnality, the, the what I want, my own agenda, my own ways, my own motives, my own ways of thinking. As we allow the fire of the Holy Spirit to burn away my thing, me, myself, and I, when we allow His Spirit to burn that Away. That is what sets up for the glory of God to fall. Um, this was back in, I want to say about 2006. We're having tent meetings in a community. And one of the pastors that was helping with the event came to me one day and said, you know, we have a young man that used to be in the church, be walking with the Lord, got involved in the wrong crowd, got caught for drugs, and he's in the local jail in a town about 20 minutes from here. Would you go with me to visit him next week sometime? I said, sure, I would be honored to. It was a Tuesday afternoon, about 1 o'clock or so, we got to this little jail, and we went in, and this pastor was informing me. Now, the longest he's ever had with him was about 10 minutes. So basically what he was saying is, what thou doest, do quickly. So we go back in, they let us in, and they took us in this little room, and the officer said, hey, we're going to bring him to you. I was like, oh, great. So you don't have to talk through a little door and a little hole. You've probably been in those situations where it's really hard to hear, and you're trying to connect, and it's hard. So we sit in this little, oh, I don't know, it just could have been in a little eight-by-eight eight room, and it was stuff in there. There was a little table in the one corner, a chair there, and a chair here, and some things stacked in the other corner. And they bring this inmate in, and the officer said, here, here he is. We'll come get him at a certain time. And 
closed the door, and there we were in this little tight little room, the two of us and this inmate. I didn't know this guy from Adam, and he didn't know me. We sit down, and he sits there on the end of the table, and I sit over here. Pastor friend sits down here. There's a bucket or a stack of papers or some, uh, newspapers or something. He sat there. I don't know if you've ever been in those moments where you <clears throat> clear your throat ten times, you're still not know what to say. I mean, my heart is just be. I mean, I am nervous as all get out. I, I I'm just like, I'm just like, what is this? And Lord, how do, how do I start this? Like, what do I even say? What do I do? And, and I'm just, I'm praying in the spirit, and I'm just, <clears throat> you know, clearing my throat. And he just sits there and stares at the table. He doesn't look at me. He just, I was like, okay, Lord, what do I do? And and then I just, I, I sensed the Spirit speaking to me and saying, well, just, just explain to him that you once were where he is. Refer to that, but then tell him where you are now and how you got there. And I'm like, oh, I can do that. So I started sharing my testimony with him, how I got set free and how I spent not days but 48 hours in a, jail that I thought was torture, but compared to what inmates for life are experiencing, it was comfort. But I began to share my story with him, not only how I used to be, but what happened in 1991 and how I got saved and how God has kept me and has not called me to do what I'm doing, to give him hope. And then all of a sudden, it was like I was done. Like it was, it was like literally a zipper. I couldn't talk anymore. I know that doesn't happen very often, but no amens from the back row either. But I, I, I literally, I, I, I could not say another word, Eldon. I, I couldn't, and it scared me because I wanted to do something. The Lord was like, "No, I got this." And I just sat there, and it seemed like a long, long time. While in all reality, it could have been two, three minutes. Just silence. And I got really, really nervous. I'm like, in my spirit, I was just like, Lord, what, what do I do? I mean, I got to lead him to freedom. I mean, is he ready? Is he not? And I, you know, I, I could have done my whatever, eight steps to freedom or, and, and, when I, when I use that term, please don't misunderstand me, that, had, that could have its place. There's times when the Lord may lead us to do that. But that day, I'm telling you this to refer to this. The fire came down and wanted to burn away what I wanted to do. And I was in a pickle to discern what God wants or what I want. And God literally, so that I just... Can I just say so? I shut up. That's what needed to happen that day. It was so pin dropping quiet in that place. You could have almost heard a pin go on a carpet. It was so quiet. And I was like, I just praying in the spirit, you know, Lord, what, what do I do? And I, and I sense the Lord saying, um, ask him to pray. That's strange, Lord. Ask him to pray. and uh, None of you probably ever get this carnal where you argue with the Lord, but I did. 
I was like, Lord, don't you know he's not in praying terms with you? Like, God doesn't know. Hello. I mean, seriously. But, but in, in my heart, I was like, I don't know if he's in praying terms. Like, I don't know if he can even pray like, Lord. And he's like, ask him to pray. Okay. So I just, then I could talk. Open, I said, um, man, could you, uh, could you pray? And he went like this. I said, okay, great. Um, go ahead. But then he didn't pray. I said, see, Lord, I told you. I mean, th those are the battles going on in my heart. And I, and I, I felt free. He, he didn't pray. I felt free to just reach across the table. I just, I just reached across the table, put my arm on his shoulder. I didn't lead him in prayer. I didn't tell him what to pray. I just prayed for him. I said, Lord, would you just give him the words to pray? I just, for 10 seconds, just prayed over him. And then I quit. And then all of a sudden he opened his mouth. He began to pray. This was a long time ago, but it's still real for me today. He was about at the fourth or fifth word of his prayer, and this happened. The glory of the Lord filled the room. It was so real. It was so heavy in a good way. You could almost cut it. It was so thick and real, the manifest presence of God in that place. I began to weep. This young man couldn't pray anymore. He literally sat there across the table from me, and he was shaking. He was weeping so much. I looked down at my pastor friend. He's sitting there with his face in his hands, just weeping in the presence of God. Exactly what we read here. The glory of the Lord had filled I was like, Lord, I see now what you're doing. See, what was happening in my heart, I had an agenda. I wanted to do it the way I'm comfortable doing it. I could have done this and this and this and stepped that man right through the steps of freedom. And again, I'm not against the step-by-step -step program. At times, that can work. But that day, that's not what God wanted. The idea is that we are so in tune with God that we can hear the voice of God and obey Him in every circumstance. But God had to burn that away in my heart, the wood, hay, and stubble, so that His glory can fill the room. After this young man regained his emotions and all of that, he finished his prayer beautifully and repented before God and got back in fellowship with Almighty God. The other thing that was happening, I didn't know this at the time, but this pastor was sitting there. What I didn't know is he was very skeptical about these tent meetings. I didn't know it. He was very skeptical about these tent meetings. And in his presence, now we're in a jail, visiting an inmate. And God is dealing with the pastor because we were in his presence. Was it the final night, honey, of the crusade or sometime toward the end, uh, they invited, this pastor and his wife invited us over to their place 
before, I think it was before the final service, maybe on a Sunday night or something, were sitting out on their patio behind their house. And he starts telling us about this and how God dealt with his heart. And not only that, but God is calling them to the fields that are white unto harvest. And I believe that all happened because he was in the presence of God. Our agenda was to go visit an inmate. He invited me to go along. But God had a bigger plan. God stretched me that day. But all I'm saying is this. As we allow the fire of the Holy Spirit to burn away the carnality, the things I want to do, the agendas I have, and get so in tune with Him, that's what's going to set up for Him to display His glory. And we're going to experience these things just like they did here when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house. They bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement. They worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, For He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. Um, I'm at a place in life, I don't want to just read about revivals. The time is now. The time is now. I remember a church we were at many years ago, three Sundays in a row, no preaching, people getting up front, confessions, getting right with God, exposing hidden sin, just laying it out. And one of the fondest memories I have, at that time, there were, there were two brothers that came from another church in the community and were now attending this church together. And they were at odds with each other. One came first and then the next one came, and I was made aware of some of the conflict they were having. They're now in the same church together. And they came from another church. And I will never forget this one vision. It is as vivid. And th this was back in uh, the early 90s when this happened. And I'll never forget. I, I don't remember what all was going on up front. But somehow I ended up up here praying with people or something. And I remember turning around. And in that church there was a center aisle. And I remember turning around. And about three quarters of the way back. Those two brothers were embracing each other. Nobody went to them and said, you have to reconcile. It's because the fire of the Holy Spirit was burning away the carnality in the hearts of people. And it set up for his presence to fall. And in the presence of God, the idols of Egypt are removed. Another man told me later older single guy. We had a service at a park with that church, and he came to me at the park. It was Father's Day, kind of a traditional thing there for that church. And he came to me, and he said, you know, when you all were going through this revival thing there, um, he had just started attending. 
coming from another church. And then he said this, I soon realized, and he was there some of those three Sundays I was referring to. Um, he said, I had a choice to make. Either I have to repent or I have to go look for another church. Because he was looking for a church where he can just kind of come in at the end, kind of if the church starts at 9.30, maybe about 9.29 or 9.31, and just slip in the back, sit there, and then the moment the amen is said, first one out, that's what he was looking for. That He told me this. That's what I'm looking for. But he said, I soon realized, if I want to be part of this congregation, I either have to repent or then I need to go look for another one. And I'm grateful that he chose the first and not the latter. He got right with God. Nobody went to him and said, you have to repent. It's because the presence of God is what changed his life. Yeah. I want to close with some quotes. Most of these are from Del Fessenfeld, Jr., Revival does not really begin by reaching the unsaved outside the church. Revival begins when God's professed people inside the church become intentional about turning to a closer walk with Him and with each other. True revival is that divine moment when God bursts upon the scene and displays His glory. Revival awakens in our hearts an increased awareness of the presence of God, a new love for God, a new hatred for sin, and a hunger for His Word. The glory comes when God takes over. He fills the church with his presence and power. When he takes over, all credit goes to him. All credit goes to him. Did you ever leave church on a Sunday morning and say, that was church? What do we mean when we say that? I've said it. We've probably heard it. What do we mean when we say that? Is it who the preacher was? Is it who the Sunday school teacher was? Is it who the song leader was? No. It's because we know we had been in the presence of God. That is church. Revival is not just evangelism, excitement, or emotionalism. It is the extraordinary movement of the Holy Spirit. Revival, no matter how great or small in its ultimate scope, always begins with individual believers whose hearts are desperate for God and who are willing to pay the price to meet Him. Revival is the moving of God's Spirit through the power of His Word to the hearts of His children. And that resurrects to new life those areas which have been lying stagnant, dormant, or out of balance. And that results in a new love and obedience to Jesus Christ. Perhaps the greatest barrier to revival on a large scale is the fact that we are too interested in a great display. We want an exhibition. God is looking for a man who will throw himself entirely on God. Whenever self-effort, self-glory, self-seeking, or self-promotion enters into the work of revival, God leaves us to ourselves. And here's the challenge. If revival depended on you, I'll put myself in there. Revival depended on you, me, our prayers, our faith, our obedience. Would your church ever experience revival? If revival depended on you,
would our church ever experience revival? The invitation this morning is going to be very general. I'm going to have a stand in just a little bit. And I know deep down in our heart, we all see the need for revival. We want revival. We want it. We talk about it. We see the need for it. But sometimes we miss that it's got to begin right here, right here, right now. Me and the presence of God. So I ask us again, if revival depended on you, your prayers, your faith, your obedience, would your church ever experience revival? Would thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? Let us stand together, shall we, this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.